You're listening to Bell, Book, and Candle with Mela Borowski. Thoughts from a Southern Witch. Should have studied witchcraft. Should have learned to ride a broom. So me and my black cat could fly through the skies underneath the moon. Hey y'all, I'm Mela Borowski and you're listening to Bell, Book, and Candle. I'm very excited to have Anora with us today. I followed her for a while, and I would see her at Palms to Palmettos in town here when, uh, when I was there. And Anora is many things to include a psychic medium, a trance channeler, an angelic communicator, ordained minister, and a fairy woman able to feel the presence of oncoming death, allowing her to guide the spirit across the veil. I saw her post about her adventures being a truck driver, and this is big trucks here and she is a psychic medium so those two combined really intrigued me so I wanted to have her on the show to tell us some stories of her life on the road and anything else she wants to share so welcome Anora. Hello Mella thank you for having me on your show I'm so appreciative of the opportunity and uh, yes you mentioned the truck driving that you the post that you had seen and that was a really exciting time in my life. I actually became an over-the-road truck driver in my early 20s um, straight after college. We had a passing in our family that caused us to really change our life. Mm. At the time I had been uh, living in New York City and we had uh, lived through the period of time during 9-11 and shortly after college we moved down to Florida and it was then that um, a lot of my psychic abilities uh, started to really kick in as well I had uh, quite the grasp on spirit communication like I was receiving a lot of different messages and I was Mm -hmm. noticing more of what was happening in my surroundings and just feeling the energy so I had an opportunity. I uh, decided that I actually wanted to join the military and could not because of my health conditions um, that I wasn't aware of at the time, actually. So Hmm. when when I went uh, to the recruiting office and went through physical and so forth, I was not accepted. And I decided to do something very different with my life and something very unconventional. (laughs) Um, (laughs) so I went and I signed up for truck driving school Wow! and that was a really exciting and adventurous time in my life. I was um, 21 years old, almost 22, and I decided to sign up with a local company. They gave me hours and hours of training and over-the-road instruction, and I met some very interesting people while I was on this over-the-road adventure. And I also faced some really difficult times as well because I was a single woman, a young woman, navigating uh, all the highways and byways of the United States, Mm -hmm. and I was alone. And being alone and being so open to energies and reading people and just kind of taking in and surveying all of the areas that I was encountering, traveling to, uh, 
different people, different destinations. I started to notice a lot within myself uh, during that period of time as well. Wow. As you were going on this, this trip across, you know, over and over the United States, and you were having all these different experiences, is, I, I'm just wondering, is it rare for that to be a woman having these experiences? Or is that outdated information that women aren't trunk drivers? So that's a great question. Actually, one of my best friends, uh, we trained together and she is still a truck driver. Uh, mm. She is actually an independent owner operator. And so there are several women who are out on the road, who are maneuvering and exchanging commerce and commodities and goods all across the United States. And not just in the United States, but, you know, I've had an opportunity to travel to Mexico and also see this as well and in Canada. And so there's women who are driving virtually everywhere um, that you can think of. And the interesting thing is, you know, at that time, and this was this was over um, over a decade or so ago. At that time, uh, I, I had actually learned how to drive uh, a truck that had sixteen gears, wow. and so there are several different gear patterns, um, anything that you could really imagine, just regarding uh, the type of of truck that you have and so forth. But the other the other thing that um, that changed in the industry is they introduced automatic trucks. Mm. And with the introduction of automatic trucks, that opened up an opportunity for uh, additional females and people to learn rather quickly how to drive over the road, these, these big rigs, these 18-wheelers. Okay. So I know that you are very talented and you've got amazing energy. I've seen a lot of the videos that you've posted on Facebook and you offer so many things to the community. And you did mention about embracing your spiritual gifts. And I'm just wondering, when did you know you were a medium and all the other gifts that you have? Was that something that was later on, you know, as before, you're saying maybe teenage or were you a child and knew you had these gifts? So it was apparent to me that I was very different when I was a small child. And I'd probably mm -hmm. say that by the age of maybe 18 months, so between one and two years old, I started having um, spiritual encounters with angels and light beings. Mm -hmm. And I started having visitors. So I would see my grandfather who had passed away when I was about four years old. So I would see him, I would see other relatives, family, but I never th thought that that was uh, out of the normal because mm -hmm. I didn't really realize that anyone else was experiencing the same thing, but I did have a great grandmother who was extremely clairvoyant as well, and she was also a healer. So mm -hmm. for me, it just felt normal until I reached, um, until I reached probably middle school, I had actually endured um, some physical and sexual trauma in my life, and I suppressed my gifts for a few years in between. Mm -hmm. And I would probably say that throughout high school, I would have a series of spiritual events, you know, um, at concerts. 
uh, random people in the street, people advising me. It was almost as if spirit would continue speaking through people to help guide me along. And then I would also hear the voices. And to be honest with you, at that point, I thought that there was something wrong with me. Mm -hmm. Because hearing the voices was something that was not talked about in my family. I also had family members um, that suffered from mental dis-ease or brain imbalance. Mm -hmm. And so when I would have these conversations with my mother, she would explain to me that I needed to be very careful because I could be one of these people afflicted by a mental dis-ease. And I had a series of uh, medical examinations. And this went on for, for several years, Mela. My physical examinations would come out negative for things. So I thought that there was something definitely wrong with my ears because I would hear voices and I would Mm -hmm. hear different sounds or animal sounds once in a while, or things just seemed so heightened for me. I could probably watch the television on the lowest sound setting and it would still be very loud for me. Hmm. As a result of this as well, my clairvoyance was very, very active and there were times where spirit would try to hint things out to me or show me things and I thought that there was something wrong with my vision. So Mm -hmm. I would often have my vision checked and um, often see the doctor because I thought that I had a physical condition that was really um, impeding my sight or my vision or, or interfering with my life. And you see, it wasn't until I probably reached 25 or 26 uh, years of age that I started to really notice things. And my experience of being a truck driver over the road pretty much solidified that I was very different to me. Mm. I can remember having some experiences where I was out west and uh, truck drivers we call it running so when you're running it's basically like you're in between a commute a pickup and a drop-off so I was running out west and one of the places that was really um, memorable for me was I had always wanted to visit Roswell New Mexico mm. And I've always had a fascination with extraterrestrials and light beings, and I thought that it would be a great idea. So I structured my route to go through Roswell, New Mexico, just so I could have a chance to say that I've been there and that I've seen it and have, you know, some time spent there. Yeah. So as I did that, I actually um, was running through... New Mexico and on that particular day that I had reached Roswell I had gone and I had checked out some of the gift shops and the the little it, there was an inn it's called the Ailey Inn um, I don't believe it's <laughs> still there <laughs> but um, we had an opportunity so I, I went and I you know I checked 
all of the sites out. And then I pretty much went about my business. I knew I had somewhere to be and I had a load on me. So my truck was full. My trailer was full. Mm. So as I went down the road, I actually encountered something that was extremely scary. And in my ear, as I'm going down the road, I hear a man's voice and he tells me to pull over now. Wow. And of course it, it frightened me because I was startled. Here I am, you know, I have an 80,000 pound load (laughs) (laughs) in my trailer. And I'm like, I'm thinking to myself, oh crap, someone got into my truck. You know, mm. so I'm thinking that there's someone in my cab. Yeah. Because it startled me. And when I looked back, I slowed down and I looked back. There was no one there. Mm. There was no one in my cab. But up ahead, as I was driving, I actually noticed that there was a shift in energy and there was a shift in a weather pattern. And as I'm watching, I decided to slowly pull over and just follow what I had heard. And I was thinking, well, maybe it was a guardian angel. Mm -hmm. So I pulled over and I parked my truck. I put the brakes on and I just had to sit in the driver's seat just to collect my thoughts because I was just very startled. And as I'm looking up ahead, I notice that it starts to rain. And it also starts to hail. So these chunks of hail start to fall on my truck and on my windshield. And I start to feel this really intense rain coming down and wind just chopping all around. So as I looked out in the distance, you know, I decided, well, let me grab my logbook because at the time I still had a, a... a book. Now things are mainly digital. We, they mm-hmm. hardly ever use logbooks anymore. But, you know, I was recording my stop so that I could account for my hours for the day. Mm-hmm. And as I'm sitting there just doing my logbook and filling in, taking a break for a moment, I notice that the rain started falling sideways. Wow. And as the rain started falling sideways, I felt this very very intense wind and the wind actually picked up the back wheel of the trailer behind my truck wow the wind that i was feeling was a tornado that was Mm. passing in front of me oh my god And as this tornado is passing in front of me, I am just sitting in the driver's seat, almost (laughs) peed my pants, and I just just began to speak to God. Mm. Now, I was raised very Catholic, but I do not consider myself in any way religious. Mm -hmm. Um, I just learned that there was a creator and that you know there was an energy that was greater than me mm-hmm. and so my idea my feeling was well if it's time for me to go it's time for me to go oh, and yeah. i'm sitting there watching 
all of this unfold in front of me. So not only does a tornado pass in front of me, but then a second tornado sweeps wow. across the front of that one. Mm. And at this point, there is hardly anyone on the road. I don't see anyone in my mirrors. I'm on the side shoulder and I'm alone. Wow. And I'm just watching all of this unfold in front of me in sheer panic. <laughs> mm -hmm. I, yeah, I can imagine. No, I can't. <laughs> and as the twisters are just, you know, causing havoc and, you know, there's just a chaos of dust and energy and I could see like plants and literally like desert-like mm -hmm. tumbleweeds and things flying in the air. All of this just, all of a sudden, it just got swept away from me. Like it moved away so quickly from me. Mm. And that movement of it just sweeping away from me, automatically I thought in my mind, I'm going to make it today. Mm. I'm going to have a chance to talk to my dad and I'm going to make it today. Wow, yeah. And at the time, I was, I, was, I was always very close with my father. I would uh, call him just about every day while I was out on the road. He always wanted to know, of course, like where I was traveling to and what adventure I was on and, and all of these, these details. So I would just do, he, he called it a, a, a military radio check. My dad was military, so mm. I would just do a quick call in with him every day. And I told uh -huh. him. That day, that day I, I called him and I was, I told him, I'm just really thankful to still be here. Yeah. Wow. And soon after the twisters cleared out of the way, this rain started to fall again on the hood and the roof of the windshield and, you know, of the truck. Mm -hmm. And... I just felt this intense sense of peace that had mm. swept over me. It was the deepest feeling of tranquility that I have ever had in my life at that moment. Mm. And all of the nerves, all of the anxiety that I was feeling completely dissipated and were just like removed from me. Wow. And all I can remember after that was just gazing out of my window. And as I'm look, looking out of my window to the left, I see this enormous rainbow form in mm. the sky. Wow. And the only thing I thought was, I'm glad I'm here and mm -hmm. I have to keep going. Hmm. So I changed my pants because I literally <laughs> did pee my pants. <laughs> yeah. As would anyone in that situation, I would imagine. <laughs> and shortly after, I literally just went back about my business and went on down the road, you know, hauling wow. my load. So. That is just crazy. <laughs> <laughs> So that was um, that was definitely an experience that gave me an aha moment. Mm -hmm. You know, um, I thought that living through 9/11, 
was pretty intense. But mm-hmm. living through two twisters who passed in front of my big rig, yeah, that took it up a notch as well. <laughs> yeah, wow, life changing <laughs> to be sitting there when that's happening. Absolutely. Absolutely. And so that was a story that I was able to share with my father um, Mm. before he passed away. Oh, yeah. Wow. And um, shortly after, you know, I had a series of of other experiences as well. Um, Another one that really sticks out to me was I had a a very intense fascination for uh, Native Indigenous culture. Mm-hmm. I myself, uh, in my family lines, uh, am Native Indigenous as well. And there was a few truck stops along the way that actually ran out through uh, past the Navajo Reservation. Mm-hmm. And so there was a time where I was running out west and I was really, really just exhausted. I had. Uh, probably been driving for longer than I should have at the time so probably maybe nine hours straight or so trying to get to um, I believe it was New Mexico at the time as well I had a lot of experiences out west especially in Arizona New Mexico Mm -hmm. Nevada like the desert areas of the country Mm -hmm. and so as I was driving down the road I mean it is you know nighttime it is very dark outside and I noticed that there was, um, you know, that the road was just very clear. It was very open. And I'm looking out on the road as I'm driving. And all of a sudden, I see this old woman dressed Mm. in native clothing. Mm. And I slowed my truck down because I felt that there was something wrong or that she Mm -hmm. was in trouble. So I was getting ready to either call the police or attempt to assist this woman. Mm -hmm. So as I begin to slow my truck down, I'm looking out and she waves at me and I slow my truck down right near her and I come Mm -hmm. off the shoulder and I don't see anyone behind me. And as I go over I park the truck as I go over from the driver's side to the passenger side and I look down through the window there was no one there wow hmm no one at all there and so it was spirit that had appeared to me and then shortly left and so that was another confirmation that I wasn't crazy that I was legitimately seeing spirit and having these really profound experiences yeah i'm not a medium myself but i am clairvoyant and i have had a lot of experiences with spirit and entities and things like that and i thought i was crazy and everyone else thought i was crazy too i think that is very common with a lot of spiritual gifts absolutely Absolutely. And, you know, I have um, several family members who do not accept their spiritual gifts. Mm. Um, Some have actually uh, preferred to take the the thought that there is actually something mentally wrong with them 
mm-hmm. or that they're symptomatic of some kind of mental condition yeah. when in fact they've been extremely gifted all their lives. But because it's out of their normal or out of their belief system, mm-hmm. they're unable to associate with their gifts and it makes it a lot more difficult and challenging for them to embrace them. Yeah. Yeah. Here's a prayer for protection from a book of pagan prayer by Kaiser Sarath. Encompass me about with your protection, holy ones of old. Stand about me on all sides, warding away from me all dangers, keeping away from me all harm. And so it is. I really love the term that you use, fairy woman. It really does evoke a great image for me. I love mythology, folklore. Is this the same gift that one might call crossing over departed spirits? Absolutely. Absolutely. Okay. And I I always thought of the uh, mythological fairy man, and I Mm -hmm. said to myself, well, why can't you be a fairy woman? You're really mm. essentially doing the same thing. Why does it have to be a man? <laughs> yeah. I love it. <laughs> Is it true that someone can be a medium without having the ability to help guide spirits across the veil? Or do, do those two gifts really come together? You know, in my experience, those two gifts really do come together. Mm. But it's a choice. Mm. It's, it's a okay. choice. And... um It's something that I actually learned early on that I could do before I was even fully uh, channeling so outwardly. Mm -hmm. I would receive these thoughts, um, you know, just kind of telepathically like in my mind of people who uh, were on their last days. I actually, I, I volunteered in a place that offered hospice care and I volunteered at a few um, uh, wards that had cancer patients that were on the verge of transitioning. I always really liked to help others. And so I've had a chance to volunteer in different hospitals and things. And, you know, be like a candy striper when you're uh, handing out magazines yeah. and things like that. Um, cheering people up or working with mm-hmm. children, you know, seeing the kids passing out toys and things to them. I, I just always liked doing that. That was something that um, I felt it was a way for me to give back, you know, just, just a little bit um, outside yeah. of the regular nine to five. And I had an experience where I was in a hospital and I was volunteering and I had a friend that was very ill and she had stage four Hodgkin's lymphoma. Mm. And I would visit her very often in the hospital, in the cancer cancer unit. And she was undergoing chemotherapy and radiation therapy. And I would see other patients as well who started to become familiar with me. And I would see their face. They would see my face. And there was a gentleman who was actually in the room beside uh, one of my dear friends who wasn't doing very well and being that I had volunteered there before 
I had a little weight. <laughs> so they they knew me. And so mm-hmm. I just put on a mask and I just, um, you know, would kind of pop over and poke my head through the door and ask him if he was okay, if he needed anything, if he mm-hmm. wanted a magazine or something to do or a puzzle or something. And he just looked at me and he said, you know, I think I'm ready to go. Mm. And I literally stood at the doorway and watched his spirit transition. Mm. And I spoke to him in my mind at the time and I told him that if he was ready to go that I would hold space for him. Now Mm. mind you, I had never done this before. Mm. I just for some reason knew that I could. Mm -hmm. And my heart felt very heavy. It was almost as if I made this connection with him and I could feel his sorrow. Mm. And I was just trying to hold space for him so that he could comfortably make the transition. Yeah. He had been waiting for his family to arrive and they had come. And I noticed that they were visiting because I was visiting my friend quite often at that time. Mm. My friend did survive her experience as well. But in the interim, I had communication with this gentleman. And I was that at that moment in that hallway, I was speaking to him in my mind. And I literally felt when he separated from his body and he transitioned on into the light across the veil. Hmm. Wow. And this sort of thing is really terrifying for a lot of people. So if someone comes to you or if someone talks to you and they say, I I think I'm a medium or I think I felt when when my grandfather died or something like that, and they're terrified, what do you tell them to help them more embrace their gifts and not be afraid of it? So there's a few things that I explain to people in this case. The first thing is fear is the absence of love. Mm. And that is something that I often say to people because I want them to understand that on the other side, when we cross over, there is so much love there Mm. that it is like a reunion. Mm -hmm. And so... When others are having these experiences and interacting, you know, with spirit, the biggest piece of advice I can tell them is when you approach the situation in love, you will feel a lot of that in return. Hmm. Sometimes spirit is just as afraid of us as we are of them. And Mm. so the energy that we project, they feel, and vice Mm -hmm. versa. Many times this is why if you enter a room and you get the goosebumps or you get the chills, it's because spirit is seeing your light and they want to communicate with you. Mm. But they may have a specific idea of how you would receive them. Mm Mm-hmm. And so you will pick up on their feelings as well. 
Okay. So this is why, in my experience, I've learned that when I approach it with just unconditional love, even if there is an energy that is more authoritative or um, has a temperament, that you can really um, relax and calm that situation if you take an approach of being very open-hearted with it. <laughs> mm -hmm. This is not to say that there are some spirits and some energies that are very difficult, mm -hmm. but there is a way that we can communicate with them where no one gets hurt and no one okay. has the projection of fear on them because yeah. those energies can be very intense. Mm-hmm. I was talking to a paranormal investigator on one of the podcast episodes and we were just chatting about the idea of some of these, the very most haunted, most evil house in America and things like that. If you go in with that projection of, yeah, this is going to be the most terrifying place and the, and the, the spirits in here are going to be really, really scary. Well, they're sure as hell going to do that. They're going to show you that. Absolutely. And you know, I myself have done um, many land and property clearings and mm -hmm. personal clearings like on people who say that they have attachments and so forth. I'll give you an example. I was actually on a job. I had a call from this woman who lived in Union, South Carolina, and mm -hmm. she had actually inherited a very old home and the property had some connections to uh, Civil War soldiers, Native American Indians, and mm. slaves who mm. were on the land. So there was some, some uh, African American slaves on the land. And that property was in her family for over a century. Mm. And she had uh, initially contacted me because the property for her was just terrifying and her children were having experiences that were very negative or she deemed negative. Mm -hmm. And so I went out on the call. I, I responded to it and I spent several hours walking the property. It's a very large property. And the one thing I can tell you is when I entered the home, it was as if they were waiting for me. Mm -hmm. So I could feel all of these energies of spirit and beings who were in the home who had just taken residence there. And what I noticed was that the owner truly did live in fear. And mm -hmm. that fear was really being projected onto the children as well. And they were showing many different signs of spiritual attack. Um, they had marks on them. They would experience extreme variant temperature changes, mm -hmm. uh, slamming doors, slamming uh, cabinets and drawers. Um, so there was a lot of activity, things uh moving so there was some apportation like <laughs> blinking mm. objects from one part of the house to the other or mm. dishes falling out of the cabinet on their own wow. and so I literally went in there and 
I spoke to spirit in the most loving and endearing way. And I asked them, why is it that this activity is going on? And they told me that it was mainly due in part because the owner had given them so much energy and told them that they were negative. So Mm. it was as if she had given them permission to act badly. Hmm. And so she wouldn't recognize them as positive beings. And with that, she would only give them the energy of negativity. And so would her children. Hmm. And it really showed. Because as soon as I stepped into the living room, I felt as if spirit surrounded me. And it felt like a circle as if you were a child in the playground about to get bullied. Yeah. And so I pulled over a chair and I sat down and I just began to speak with them very calmly. In fact, I opened the doors to the house and I invited them all in. Whoever was around, whoever was on the property, all Mm -hmm. of them at the same time, I invited them in. And... I gave them the choice and the choice was that they didn't have to be here anymore and for them it was almost as if they felt like they were suffering or repeating the same day over and over. Mm -hmm. I gave them the opportunity to cross over and Mm -hmm. so I held space for them and uh, etherically I opened up a door. And that door was a door so they could transition across the veil. And I'm someone who loves percussion instruments and different instruments because I learned through different teachings that carrying um, a certain tone or vibration helps the energies as well transition. Mm -hmm. So at the time, I had actually brought one of my very large singing bowls with me and so I began to play this crystal singing bowl and I began to sing a native song that I had learned and so I played the singing bowl and I sang the song in repetition for probably about an hour without stopping Hmm. and my guides at the time had told me when the last one transitioned over. And so I thanked them. I stopped playing and I sealed the door that they had traveled through. Mm -hmm. And I explained to this woman and her family that living in fear and living with the understanding that spirit is not necessarily there to hurt you. There's a reason why they have appeared to you or there is a reason why they were actually perhaps stuck in the location where these people were living. Mm. Wow. Does that work all the time or do you ever come against spirits that you just have to kind of get firm with? You know, there have been a few times when I would say I still hold the same practice 
I come in love. But just as you would have a family member who was more uh, snarky than another, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, <laughs> spirit is just the same way. A lot of times people think that just because we transition, that we become this ooey gooey, you know, marshmallows and fluffy love and light being, but it's not necessarily yeah. like that. It does take spirit time to also learn on the other side and to effectively transition and grow. You know, on on the other side, they're also ascending in a way. Um, There's various ways that they are able to communicate. And so by just being open and understanding that they're not going to harm you per se, But, you know, there are times where I have heard spirits say things that were just not very nice. Mm -hmm. And it's in those moments when I tell them, I love you. Mm. And when spirit gets all riled up and they start hearing how much you love them and that that they're safe. Because I also Mm -hmm. tell spirit, just as I tell people, you're safe. Hmm. There is no reason for you to have this behavior towards me. I'm not here to harm you. I'm here to help you. And so with that, I have learned quite a bit. I would probably say that the most intense home clearing I had was a woman who was afflicted by mental dis-ease and was also a medium. Hmm. And she did not have her mental uh, dis-ease in balance or regulated through perhaps, um, you know, clinical care or Mm -hmm. medical treatment. But she wanted to be very open with spirit. And as a result, because her energy was very unbalanced, she was also attracting the energy Mm -hmm. of unbalanced spirit as well yeah makes sense so i really feel that what we convey is also what we receive okay yeah how important is psychic protection to you that is a wonderful question and i've been asked this many times i feel that we are always protected I think the question should actually be how important are psychic boundaries? Mm. You see, because my level of protection is indicative of my boundaries. What is it that I'd like to receive? And what is it that I'm not interested in receiving? Okay. So I've experienced with others who've been in different groups with me. Um, there've been some, some folks that are very psychic and do have uh, mediumistic abilities, but they have no boundaries. Mm. And when we have no boundaries, that literally opens us up to a whole caveat and slew of issues. I'm sorry, with the caveat that If we had these boundaries in place, we wouldn't have the specific experiences Mm. as well. 
So for me, psychic boundaries and protection are an everyday thing all of the time. I don't mm. leave the house without having a form of psychic protection, whether that is a mantra, a thought, uh, an object I feel is sacred to me, you know, mm -hmm. the calling of my guides or guardians or source creator. I think it's very important. Yeah. What is the most important thing? And I asked this to, this to almost all of my guests. What's the most important thing you've learned on your spiritual path? Be authentic. Mm. I've learned to be authentic. There are many people out there who have these beautiful gifts and abilities, and they get very clouded because of uh, finances or popularity or um, the need to fulfill a void in their own self-worth. Mm -hmm. For me, it's been about being authentic. I am the same today in heart as I was yesterday. Mm. And I'm not easily swayed. I'm always observing, watching, and taking note of the reaction of how people receive me as well. Mm -hmm. And so I've learned that when I'm just myself and people can see that I'm an, a regular, you know, next door neighbor, human being, you know, <laughs> sister, uh, daughter, <laughs> yes. you know, I'm, I'm a person just like they mm -hmm. are. I just am in tune with a different set of skills that essentially all of us could have. I've just really worked to raise my level of awareness. Mm -hmm. When they see that, then the feelings change. Sometimes people mm -hmm. are very threatened because they think that I'm going to read their mind or... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or something of that nature, but it's... It's really not. I, I, I tell people that being a medium is one of the hardest things that I've ever had to learn how to do because I had to learn boundaries. Mm. And I don't just openly read for people or just, you know, walk up to people in the supermarket and tell them <laughs> that their dead grandpa is behind them, you know, like, right. I don't do that. And there's a reason for that. I feel that everything comes at a specific time, like divine mm -hmm. timing, and people have to be ready to receive that. Right. And so yeah. in that whole aspect of being authentic don't ask for what you're not ready to receive hmm. great advice so I know you've got a lot going on in your community uh, are there any things going on that our listeners might be interested in joining absolutely so I'm actually I had a beautiful woman's group that um was converted into an online Zoom circle. <laughs> mm. So we are uh, the Sacred Sisters and we're okay. online. And so I actually host circle and I allow 
the group of ladies to practice and unfold their gifts and abilities with each other. So it's a sacred safe space online. Mm. And we've been doing that on Thursday nights. Uh, In addition to that, I've been hosting um, monthly trance channeling sessions where I actually have an assistant and there's a circle that's run and there's multiple participants. And I will allow my guides to speak through me and I allow those group members to have a dialogue with my guide. Okay. And so we do that. I also have many projects kind of juggling right now. Um, There's one that is coming to fruition. It was a thought and then I started working with um, parents and children on a private level and now I've just actually acquired a large enough office space where um, once things kind of settle down with the current virus we would be able to have uh, interaction with parents and children so it'd be like a parent and child group of Mm. people who also have abilities and this helps bring connectivity to the community as well because there are many many special children who are just born wide awake right now yes and many of them feel extremely lonely and right now with having to be at home a lot of them are being schooled online this has been uh, very challenging for them because they don't have a way to release some of their psychic energy as well. Mm-hmm. So it's a way for them to learn. It's a way for them to interact. Um, and it's a way for parents to interact with each other as well and befriend each other and discuss topics or situations that their children might be facing, you know, challenges that their children might be facing or even challenges that parents are facing yeah, uh, with, yeah. with all of this. And so we are, um, we're converting that we're, we're online right now. And this was happening once a month as well. We were hosting that once a month and it was a lot of fun. Well, I don't know if this is validation for me or it can be validation for you. But I have been very much pulled by my guides to doing things for children as well. For probably about a year now, I had something planned last year, but with COVID, I had to cancel it. But I've had parents come and even ask me about having things to teach children about paganism, as I'm a pagan minister, and um, I've taught classes on the indigo, crystal, rainbow children type thing. So I really feel like there is a strong need as it sounds like you do for really reaching these highly sensitive children absolutely and you know many of them really do suffer silently and i Mm -hmm. just think about myself being at the age of some of these kids and not having an outlet or not having um, connections with other children who are just like them you know Mm -hmm. being a psychic and beating a medium at times um, it can be a little off-putting to certain people and 
there are these intense feelings of loneliness and isolation, especially when you're a mm. child. Yeah. I mean, now as an adult, it is obviously different because also with being a medium, I never feel alone. <laughs> <laughs> I actually feel like I never have privacy. <laughs> right. Opposite. <laughs> but as a child, you know, it's, it's really important that they are able to understand that being different can also mean being normal. You can have mm. a normal life and also be psychic. Yeah, absolutely. It's um it's interesting because, you know, I think about the um the X-Men movie and you know with also with great gifts come great responsibility. <laughs> right. <laughs> but um one of the things I had discussed actually recently on another podcast was the interest in opening up a center for children. Mm. And my husband jokes around with me and he tells me that I'm like Professor Xavier. I'd like to open up a school <laughs> for the gifted. <laughs> I'm right there with you. <laughs> I just think that having uh, basic uh, concepts and ideas and spiritual practices openly explained to children mm. empowers them and it gives yeah. them it gives them a sense of self. Mm -hmm. You know, there were times when my you know I was a child, we had um, some folklore. And some stories that our families would tell us about, you know, El Cuco or the monster in your closet or under the bed. And, you know, beware of the forest, the forest spirits and things of that nature. When really that was very detrimental to me because um, having abilities, we are also master manifestors. Mm -hmm. And so whatever we put energy to, we can really create for ourselves. And I always like to explain to people that positive self-talk is super important because as we do it, our children can also model that yeah. and it helps improve their level of self-esteem and self-worth as well. Mm. And so, you know, not creating those dents for them, having a... a an open discussion with them where they can actually interact independently and not feel afraid of all of these uh, stories that, you know, may not really be the truth. It gives them a different mm. insight and it also allows them to stand within their own power. Yeah. Well, Professor Xavier, if you ever need help with your school you're setting up, you let me know. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. You know, from, from your lips to spirit's ears, because I really feel like this is something that can actually happen. I, mm, it's, it's yeah. not, it's not a far thought. I think right. with, with planning a little structure and a lot of finances, mm -hmm. some help, we could definitely, um, get that going and have 
an openness for these kids to to explore their abilities and give other people the opportunity just to learn and develop. Yeah, and this is the time for this. And so it is. And so it is. So how can people get in touch with you? So people can reach me on my website at www.enorascorner.com. I am also on Facebook at Enora's Corner LLC. They can find me on Twitter at Enora's Corner, on TikTok at Enora's Corner, and they can find me on Instagram at Enora's Corner LLC. I have a huge online presence. <laughs> Good, amazing. It has just been incredible having you on the podcast talking about your psychic gifts, your spiritual gifts, and about some of these um, just incredible stories that you told about being a truck driver. And, you know, I've, I have heard so many great things from other people about you, Anora. And listeners, this is the first person that I send people to when they come to me and say they need a medium. I send them to Anora. So check her out. If you've been looking for a medium, if you are interested in any of the wonderful things that she offers, check her out. Go and find her on social media. And y'all don't forget that you can always send me comments and questions by clicking on the link to send a little voice message to me. I might just use it on one of our episodes. And in particular, I would really love to hear about any experiences you've had as a medium or with a medium or with using your spiritual gifts. So take care and y'all be blessed. Thank you all for listening to Bell Book and Candle. You can follow Mella on Instagram and Facebook at Bell Book Candle SC. That's Bell, B-E-L-L-E. Or become a patron at patreon.com forward slash Bell Book Candle.